All righty. I'm, I'm hoping y'all are doing good. Hey, you know, I want to just tell you this story before I give you this message because it was just precious. It's precious to me. It may not be to you, but it's very precious to me. Is uh, This was a long, long time ago um, when we lived in Pineville, and I got this money from work, just like a bonus or something. And we were... Uh, just trying to decide, you know, how you are. Well, we could pay this bill off. We could pay that bill off. Uh, so we were asking the Lord about how to, what to do with the money. And one morning I was driving to work, and I was listening to the radio, and there was a, uh, a business in Charlotte called Reliable Music. If you, or if you know about that, that was one of the famous places in Charlotte for music. And they said... Uh, there is a sale, we have a sale on guitars, okay? And when they said that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, I want you to buy Becky a guitar because I'm going to use her in worship, okay? And I thought, yes, okay, Lord. Uh, so we went, one day, I didn't tell Becky what we were doing, we went to this music store, and we had two of our, we had two little kids at the time, uh, and they were kind of wild when they were little, like most little kids were. They walked in that store, and it's like God came down on them. Uh, they were just behaving, you know. And we went in this room. There was this guitars all the way around the walls. And I think Becky tried every guitar in that room. No, this is not it. This is not it. This is not it. This is not it. Finally, she went through all of them like, I just don't think it's, this is it. And the guy said, well, I have one more guitar. He said, one of our employees got in trouble with the law, got arrested, and he had to hawk his guitar to get out of jail. And we, we got it back from him. You want to try that one? Like, and Becky said, yes, and she hit it. One time when she hit that guitar, I thought, that's it. And she said, this is it. And she has that guitar to this day. Okay? And it wasn't long after that that the Lord, uh, we showed up at church one Sunday, not long after that, this is crazy, and everybody on the worship team's sick, <laughs> you know, can anybody sing, help us sing, and like, Becky, you can sing, she grew up singing, Jim got you, to, so she, that was the beginning of her ministry in, in worship, and, well, the reason I'm telling you that is that's how that word came to me, is about Mary Woodworth Edder, I, it's like I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, this is what I want to do. Are you in? You hear what I'm saying? He was, for me as her husband, are you in with this? It's like, yes, I'm in. So I'm just saying this from a faith perspective that, you know, God did it. God opened the doors. God made it happen. So I believe that really is a word from the Lord, the Mary Woodworth Edder word. She, Becky should go and read all her books. If you read them books, you will be, if you love the power of God, you will be really jealous. <laughs> like, ooh, why isn't that not happening with me? It's amazing. Ooh, so that's the story. Yeah. <laughs> She's already going to take over. So it's funny because this week I was actually went back with the Lord to the night at nine years old. I gave my heart fully to the Lord. I was in fifth grade. And um, we were gospel singers. We traveled a lot. But that night, we, for some reason, went to this little storefront place where there was a revival going on, and there was a woman preaching. She said, be here 
beehive hairdo. She was young, though. She's Pentecostal. We were Baptists. Um, She's Pentecostal. And all I know that night is she was preaching the paint off the walls. I mean, it really, really felt like fire in the room. It was packed in there. It was a storefront. And all I know is this fire came on me as a little girl. You know, and conviction came. And I went to the altar that night and gave my life to the Lord. And I changed that night. So I think, it's, I think the Lord was reminding me that I was actually saved under a Pentecostal woman's ministry. You know, but being raised in a Baptist church where women can only teach Sunday school. You know, so it's definitely the Lord is speaking something right now. So, amen. amen. Yeah. That's pretty good, right? Yes and amen. So, um, I'm going to try to do this message now. No, that's okay. It's all good. It's all God. I'm excited. Um, In June, I'm just going to tell you this, in June of 2018, which is over a year and a half ago, uh, the Lord started speaking to me about something. And the thing about it, it was unusual the way he was speaking to me. It was not the normal way that I felt that I commune with God and I hear God. It was completely different to me. But it was also, uh, you know, it's like God was doing it and, not only was he speaking to me unusually, he was confirming it in unusual ways. Uh, and so I started on this journey with the Lord then. Uh, and I've been on that journey since then. Even this week, the Lord spoke to me about this, um, you know, in a different different way. Um, so I believe it's really, so I'm just going to share just a little bit of, of this, Okay. And it has to do with what, what the Bible calls uh, our priceless inheritance. That, that word comes out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, our priceless inheritance. And what God began to talk to me about was my inheritance in Him and how that is something He wanted me to begin to walk out. In a very practical way, are y'all following me? Um, also, in First Peter, Second Peter one four, it, it says, uh, "Great and precious promises." He's talking about this inheritance, great and precious, and these these are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature. These are the promises that enable you. In other words, we have an inheritance from God that enables us to share in the very nature of God. We have the, is everything Christ is, we have been given something from God that enables us to be Christ-like. We have something in God to look at the Gospels and see how Christ operated in the Gospels to be able to be, do that. We have an inheritance of the kingdom of God. We have an inheritance of the righteousness of God, of the wisdom of God. Everything Christ is. This, so it, what I'm trying to get to you is kind of impossible to define this inheritance. It's kind of impossible because it's, it's beyond reach. It's beyond comprehension. But I would define it like this. Whatever you see in Jesus, that's what it is. 
Whatever you see Jesus said, whatever you see Jesus did. Now, I know for a lot of people that just seems like a reach, okay? But that is not a reach. That is exactly what the Bible teaches. And see, what God wants to do is He wants to shift us and begin to get us to think in different and get us to believe in different. You're going to have to shift some beliefs in your heart about this if, if you're like me. I've, that's been part of this process. Um, you know, the Old Testament gives us a, a beautiful illustration in the book of Joshua, right? It's the, the land flowing with milk and honey. Isn't that what they call the promised land? The land flowing with milk and honey. Well, we have a spiritual inheritance. We have a spiritual land, if you will, that's flowing with milk and honey. How many people believe that? We do have that. It's promised to us. It's a great and precious promise. You know, a lot of people take some of these verses and apply them to heaven. All this is going to happen to heaven. That is not what the Bible teaches. It can't be what the Bible teaches. It just cannot be. It doesn't add up. That's an excuse to excuse a poor lifestyle. That's an excuse to excuse ourselves for our lack of power, our lack of grace, our lack of wisdom. That's all an excuse. That's not the Bible. It may be your experience. Your experience may be, I'm not walking in these things. But that doesn't mean anything because your experience needs to subject itself to the Word of God. You hear what I'm telling you? You know, it really does. And so I, I love this, uh, you know, land flowing with milk and honey, the book of Joshua. The Ephesians, I've always saw the book of Ephesians in the New Testament as being the book of Joshua of the New Testament. Uh, many of you know this because I've talked out of Ephesians before quite a bit over the years because I'm in love with that book. Uh, it's like the blueprint for Christianity. It was Paul's vision for what our spiritual life should look like, how we should walk it out, how we should live. It's just a beautiful, beautiful book. Uh, it's an amazing book. Uh, it's the only book, only one of Paul's letters where he... Uh, was not writing to churches to address an issue or an address a problem. There's no problems addressed in here. There's no issues addressed in here. He's talking vision. He's trying to encourage people. He's trying to give people something to see that's really beautiful versus trying to correct bad doctrine or correct immorality or correct uh, lawlessness in the church. This one's unique in that, that manner. Uh, chapter 1 of the book... Just to let you know, I'm not going to go through this book. I'm just going to tell you a few things out of it this morning because this is only an introduction uh, to our process inheritance. Um, chapter 1 really kind of introduces this whole topic. It, he kind of introduces this thing. And, he, and this is the really beautiful thing about chapter 1. I believe Paul gives us some foundational understand or foundational things that we have to know to be able to walk in our inheritance. We have to have, and when I say no, I'm not talking about brain no, I'm talking about heart no. When we begin to know these things with our heart, we can begin to lay hold of these things. And he lays out, actually, I see four very critical things. That's what I want to talk to you about. Because these are, are vital. Because that was the first thing the Lord told me, is he showed me some. Actually, this, this whole thing started. Uh, Jacob Early gave me a tape of a message I preached in like year 2001 or something. And in that message, I made this one statement. I was talking about knowing the Father. And I said, you will never enter into our inheritance until we come into that revelation. 
And I made a terrible statement right to that, is I don't think I had that revelation. And at that time, I did not have that revelation. I did not, it was not revealed to me. I had a knowledge in my head about God being the Father, but it wasn't a personal revelation. Well, that's changed. So, so this is, uh, I want to give you these things. That's, uh, if, you, if you look at the book, let me read uh, verses 3 through 5. Are y'all following me this morning? Two people said that. Where's the rest of you? All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he, he defined, listen, when Paul says God, he has defined God. So anytime you read the New Testament, in any Paul's letters, when he says God, think the Father. Because that's really what he's trying to, try. In, in, in most cases, that's what he's trying. Because that was an interesting concept to me, reading, is does Paul have a revelation of the Father? Because he talks about God a lot, and then here it is. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Listen, he has. Everybody says has. He has, and listen, everybody say united. These are very powerful words. I love how NLT, this is New Living Translate, how they address these words and how they speak these words. Very, very, very accurate, very powerful. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Even before, before the world existed, I believe you and I existed with God in heaven. And he loved us then because we were his creation even then. That's what he's saying here. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. That's what he said to Jeremiah and Paul the Apostle both. He loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance. The Father decided in advance to adopt us. In advance. He didn't decide like, okay, if you're good enough, I'll adopt you. If you do these things, I'll adopt you. No. <laughs> it was already decided. I don't care what you do. I want you. I might not like what you do, but I still want you. And we'll work on the doing what you're doing later. I just want you to know that I want you. Adopted us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. These are beautiful words here. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure. So that's the first thing, the first key, is we really have to come to a place in our heart. And God, only the Holy Spirit, only God can do this for us. This is not something we can do. This is where we really begin to walk in this, this spirit of adoption. We walk in this knowing that we belong to the family. We're not trying to get into the family. We're not trying to get anywhere. We belong. We don't have to please Him. We don't have to do nothing. All we got to do is believe Jesus Christ and trust Him and trust what this said right here. That's all we got to do. There's nothing else to do. And you know what? He will give you the faith to believe this. He will give you the ability to trust this if you'll let Him. But you're going to have to put your reason on the floor and let your heart stand over your reason. And let your reason serve you, like give you the ability to read and think. But let God have control of those thoughts. And if we'll begin to do that, God will begin to speak to us. 
And it will be one of the most profound revelations you'll ever have in your life when the day comes when you and your heart know that God is your Father on a personal and real level and that you are loved deeply by Him and that He cares deeply for you. You will understand. That's the day you begin to understand who you really are. That's the day you'll begin to understand why you're on this earth. That's the day when all of that and all this stuff will start become unraveling inside of you. All the hurts, all the wounds, all the disappointments that you carry, all of a sudden those things will begin to get addressed. It may not happen instantly. Most likely it won't. And one of the reasons it doesn't is because there's a lot of people out there who need somebody to go get them by the hand and walk them down this path. And you need to walk down the path to be able to take others down this path. And that's one reason God doesn't do everything all of a sudden. You understand what I'm saying? He doesn't fix everything all of a sudden because there's people that we're going to have to walk down the path. And that's our job. Yes, the path of freedom. So that's the first key. The second, the second thing is in, uh, you'll find this in verses 7 through 12, is what Christ has done. So we, we saw, we, I just told you what the Father, everybody say, has done. Now we're going to say what Christ has done. Now those are important words, has or did or however you want to say it. It's something that's already done. It's not some new thing that God needs to do. He's done it. And this is, you know, it says in verses 7 through 12 that Jesus purchased our freedom with his blood. He purchased it. He paid for it. He showered us with kindness. That's what's happened already. It's already happened. And so one thing we got to know is the blood's always going to be the deal. And I think most believers have a, have a revelation of blood, but there's more. There's more. And I think the power of the blood is something that we can never get away from. Okay. Uh, here's something that's really powerful in here. I'm going to read verse 11. Okay. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we are no, listen to me. We're not going to be. He says we are. That's the true. We are united. We're united. We're not going to be united when we get to heaven. We're not going to be united when we get to be walking in the Mary Woodworth Edder anointing. We're united now. Today. That's a powerful word. A lot of other translations use in Christ or with Christ. I like the word united, uh, and there's a reason for it. Let me finish this verse. We have, listen, received. Everybody say received. Received. This is past tense, if you know anything about English grammar, which, you know, I don't know a lot, but enough to get through school, you know, and hope that it really, you know, like I'm making C minuses on all that. We have received an inheritance from God. Already, that's what Paul's telling us. You've already received this inheritance. Hang on, just keep that in your mind. For he chose us in advance, just what the Father did, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God has promised, "I'll, I'll make this work out in your life. If you'll let me, I'll make it work out. I'll make all of this work out for you. Every bit of it. It'll all make sense. Your life will begin to make sense. I'll work it out. But you've got to let me. You've got to believe me. You've got to trust me. That's all, that's all we had to do. So I like this word, uh, uh, united. Uh, another uh, word that goes along with united is union. 
where have we heard those words from? Lord, how mercy is in weddings, right? Weddings are about union, right? Uniting two people, right? I want you all to get this now. I'm going to be honest with you. Well, I'm, I was already being honest. I wasn't lying to you about any of this. But, but this is the truth. I have just had such a difficult time in my life with this whole bride of Christ thing. I, just the truth. I think I may have said this before. I just didn't really like all that symbolic stuff. It just didn't work for me. I'm, just the truth. I knew this is an important thing in the Bible, being the bride of Christ. I just didn't like the idea that me as a man, thinking about, you know, it's like, oh, Lord, that just don't feel good to me. I don't like that. I see the wedding dress and the girl, and just, just, just not a good picture. A lot of women love that picture. I'm thinking, yes, you love it. Thank you for loving it. You know, in most of the teachings that I've heard about the bride of Christ is around that whole female. I'm sorry, girls. Listen. I'm good with what Becky said. Women, go for it. But I'm just having a hard time with these teachings that really female-oriented, that just like, oh, you know, mm, that don't feel good to me. But recently, I've been praying about this a lot, actually, for a long time. For some, Lord, give me some revelation on this that I can handle, okay? Because you know how dumb I am. Let me read this uh, verse, uh, Ephesians 5, 31 through 32. I'm just going to tell you, Paul talked about marriage on a practical plane in here. And he says, as the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined, or we use the Old Testament word, cleave. A man shall leave and cleave, right? Y'all haven't heard that. We've done a lot of premarital counseling, so I'm, I'm, I can do all that. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. They're in, united into one. There, this is a great mystery, but it, it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So I started thinking about this illustration and got, you know, tried to get over the myself. And so here, here's something that's important. And I'm, this is sort of stuff we've tried to tell marriage, couples fixing to get married. You're going to have a new identity. As a couple, you know, that, that, that's a new identity. You're going to be together. You, you, you're no longer one person. You're, you've got this identity as a couple. Um, so have you ever had this experience? We've had it many times. Uh, there's a couple young people in the church or in wherever you're at, and they find each other, you know, they fall in love. They get married, Okay, and then they go on their honeymoon. And then they come back from their honeymoon, and you see them for the first time, and you look at them, and you realize something's different about them. Have you ever had that? Now, your mind in the gutter might tell you one thing. Get your mind out of the gutter. Okay? That is not what it is. But there is something that happens spiritually when a man and woman gets married. And what we're seeing when we see these people like that is we're seeing something spiritual. We're seeing this scripture. A man and woman become one. In God's eyes, they're one. And so what we're seeing is how God's seeing them. 
He's seeing that they're no longer two people. They're one people together that God has united. Okay, and one of the, the things about marriage in the natural that destroys marriage is self-centeredness. It's, it's about me. And you're ate up on, with yourself. And that will destroy your, your, your being united with Christ too. When, you, when your life is about you, what you want, how you want it, and when you want it, you will, you, this, it's going to hinder this thing called being united with Christ. Are y'all following this? And so what Paul was doing later, he was talking practically about marriage but in a practical sense, but he's also tell, talking to us about spirit, spiritually. That this relationship has to become the most important relationship there is. And we tell people that. Listen, before your mom and daddy was the most important relationship you, you would ever have on this earth, now they're not. They are no longer. They're number two. It's not that you kick them to the curb, but this person that you're with is now the most important. And if you're going to have a healthy marriage, you've got to build boundaries and make sure that's, that's protected. You don't disrespect your mom and daddy. You honor your mom and daddy. You love your mom and daddy. You treat them right. You put them up high on the list. But at the end of the day, this person, this marriage is the most important relationship. And ladies and gentlemen, for us as believers, our, our marriage, our being united with Christ is the most important thing that we have. Everything else, we have to create boundaries for that. And we have to create our own identity with being married to him. Now, here's the beautiful thing about it. Are y'all following all that? Here's the beautiful thing about this. In the natural, when you get married, when Becky got married, Becky was a Davis. Okay? That's, that was her name, Becky Davis. When she got married, she became Becky Wicker. She took on my name. Are y'all getting this? This is how the Lord helped me with the marriage things. When we marry, when we step into this and begin to see we're united with Christ, suddenly we take on the name of Jesus. Are y'all hearing this? I think the church has suffered with this whole name of Jesus thing because we've approached it from the wrong angle. I believe when we begin to approach it that we are united with Him. And because we're united with Jesus, we get Jesus' name. And because we get Jesus' name, we can access everything His name accesses. Everything. Now, I'll tell you what, if that don't turn your mind about the whole girly thing, I always say, I'm good with the girly thing. If I can get to the name of Jesus and that can be something besides, oh, I hope this works, or a nice thing on the end of my prayer. No, it's something that releases the very power of God and the very glory of God in situations. I believe there will be a move of God on a revelatory realm of the, we become the bride. And we're going to walk out of that not mushy, gushy, you know, sissy, whatever you want. We're going to come out there empowered with the name of Jesus. And we're going to understand, just like Becky can go to the bank and says, I'm Becky Wicker. I, I can get any amount of money in that bank account that's in there because of my last name. And God is going to have a people that he can entrust, that can tap in. Tap into the riches of Christ and get them and bring them out and use them for what he wants us to use them for. But we're going to have to stop being self-focused and it can't be about us. And God's going to do fix that. I promise you, he's, he'll wear you out on that one in a good way. Well, I, want, I need to move on because I'm running out of time. So that was what Jesus did. 
Lord, help. That was what the Father, this, listen, is what the Holy Spirit is doing. Now, I'm telling you. Okay, let me read this. This is really important because a lot of Christians get messed up over all this. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance. Okay, He's the guarantee. He promised the the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He will do this so we would praise and glorify Him. So God always is honored. Um, So notice He said He will give us the inheritance. And in verse 11 it says we have received an inheritance. Did you think about that? Anybody got a question about that? I'm glad you thought about that. Because it seems kind of contrary, right? On the one hand, it says we've received an inheritance, right? I believe that's the truth. We have. But then he's saying the Holy Spirit's going to give you this inheritance. Well, what's the difference, Lord? Where am I at on this timeline? Have I received it? Why do you need to give it to me? I mean, that was the question I had when I was looking at this. If I've already received it, why do you receive means I've got it. Listen to this. This is a great verse here. 1 Corinthians 2, 12. Are y'all following this? And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit. Listen to this. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. In other words, what Paul's trying to tell us, God has already done this. The work of Christ is finished. It's already been decided. It was decided before you were ever born. He's already settled it in heaven. It's done. He's already given it all. Really, God can't give us anything else. He's given it all. We already have it all. Here's the problem. The work of Christ is finished, but the work of the Holy Spirit has just begun. He's not finished. He's at work right now in our lives doing this very thing. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Christ has settled it. As someone once said, the work of the cross is finished, but the work of the cross in me is not finished. Because there's an outworking of this thing. There's an inworking of this thing. The Holy Spirit's job is to help me. The Holy Spirit's job is to guide me. He's to give me revelation and give me understanding to know what I have and show me how to walk that out and empower me to walk that out. Are y'all following this? And this is really important. I believe it's everything. I believe it has everything to do for us really walking in all that God has for us. You know what? We need the Holy Spirit desperately. We need the Holy Spirit desperately. So right here you had had the Father, what the Father's done. You have what Christ has done. And you have what Holy Spirit's doing is what Paul's explaining. And so you have the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all at work in our lives. All have either done or doing. Okay, actively doing. That's why I'm saying I'm a Holy Ghost guy. Now, that can mean different things to different people. At the end of the day, what it means to me is is this. I want my inheritance. I want everything that God meant for me to have. And the only way I'm going to get it is I got to be tuned in to the Holy Ghost. I got to let the Holy Ghost have his way. I got to be a Holy Ghost person where I am surrendered to him. And where I'm allowing him to speak to me, where I'm allowing him to do what he wants to do and not worry about what everybody else thinks or what everybody else is doing. Okay, and not be afraid of man or afraid of the consequences. You know, that's not, yeah, okay. Well, let me just go ahead. There's one more thing. Are y'all okay? 
I got this that one time. I hope you're getting out, something out of this. Huh? I really do. And then so what the Father's done, what the Son has done, what the Holy Spirit's doing, and then here's the way Paul ends this chapter. All this is in chapter 1, first chapter. He ends it with a prayer, okay, because prayer, we're going to need the prayer to help us with this. And so he gives this amazing prayer, okay, in verse 15. Can I read it to you? He said, ever since I first heard of your strong faith. Okay, let's settle right now. He's talking about men and women of strong faith. We ain't talking about no backsliders. We're not talking about people who are not saved. We're talking about believers who have strong faith. Strong faith. Okay? Strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people. In other words, they don't only, not only had strong faith, they were just uh, demonstrating that. They were loving people. They were caring for people. You can add, you can say all kinds of things like that. Here's what I would imagine. Love for people. You're praying for the sick. You're feeding hungry people. You're covering people. You're allowing the broken to come to you. You're, be, you're willing to associate with lowly people. You're willing to be around people who have nothing. You, you, the, you, you're concerned for the poor. You're concerned for children that are being abused. And being thrown away. That's, that's love in action. That's what I, I, when I think about that, that's what I imagine. I just, I'm not thinking about love just, oh, I just say, love Becky. I just say, she's, oh, I love her. She's awesome. I'm doing stuff for Becky all the time. Now, she might claim otherwise, but, but I really am. And yeah, she's doing stuff for me. She does more for me than I do for her. Okay? This is what he said. Your love for God's people everywhere. I have not stopped thanking God for you. And I pray for you constantly. I ask in God, the glorious Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, he defines who he is. To give you spiritual wisdom and insight, or spiritual wisdom revelation, how you want to say it, so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. That you might grow in it. So he was saying, you already have all this, but you've got to grow in it. You need the spirit of wisdom and revelation flowing in your life so you can begin to grow in this thing. Begin to grow in what you have and who He is. And things will begin to shift in your life. In other words, if you read a lot of Paul's prayers, most of his prayers he ain't asking. It's all stuff around this. He don't really ask for stuff. He asks for this. If you can get this, you can get all the stuff you need and all the stuff that God wants for you. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he has called, his holy people who are rich in his glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Incredible greatness. Paul said, I need you guys to be power people. You need a revelation of power. That's what he's saying. You need a revelation of confident hope in who he says you are. You need a revelation of his love for people, human beings, his glorious inheritance. That's what this prayer is all about. Um, that same mighty power that raised Jesus, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Isn't that beautiful? Very powerful prayer. Well, uh, I'm getting ready to end. I got five more minutes and then it'll be noon. So, 
I remember back 1988, 1999 time frame when I first began to really look at that prayer and begin to pray that prayer. I've been praying that prayer for over 20 years. I've prayed that prayer more than I have prayed anything. Probably the only other prayer I've prayed more than this prayer is, Help, Lord. Because <laughs> that one's constantly coming off my lips all the time, Help, Lord. Somebody wants to come say me, Help, Lord. <laughs> I don't know what to say to them. <laughs> you know. But I've prayed this prayer a whole lot. And I remember when I first started praying it, one, one day my neighbor called me, okay, and said, hey, Byron, I got a little bit of firewood over here, and if you want it, you, why don't you come get it, because I have a gas logs now. I just got a little bit of firewood left. I said, okay, I'll drive by there and see what it is. And I looked at it, and it was not much, but it was more than I was going to be able to carry to my house from his house, because it was, you know, a quarter mile away from my house. And by the road and so I decided I know what I'm going to do I'm going to get in my car I'm going to take everything out of the trunk of my car and I'm going to put a, a tarp down and I'm going to put that firewood in my trunk and take it home and so I was over there at his house loading that firewood and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit started speaking to me he said to me this car is not made for this And I thought at that moment, like, wow, it's not. I need a truck for this. And he said, if you don't get this spirit of wisdom and revelation working in your life, somebody is going to come and tell you this is what you're made for. This is your purpose. And this is who you are. That's what he told me. He said, and just like this car is not made for this, if you keep doing this, this will destroy this car. And all of a sudden I saw myself throwing, throwing firewood in the back seat of my Honda and the nice leather seats getting all scratched up. And it just being tore up because it's not a truck. And, and at that point in my life, I realized that I have lived a lot of my Christian life with somebody else or something else trying to tell me who I was, more likely trying to tell me who I wasn't. And it was limiting my life. And when I began to pray that prayer, it opened the door. It really opened the door for me to begin to really get some of these other revelations about the Father. And began to get my true identity and my true purpose and the thing that I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Are y'all hearing me? And that was really like the beginning for me. Recently, I'm going to finish here. Recently, the Lord said, this is crazy. He said, I want you to do this. I was getting ready to go to bed. I was sitting on my bed, fixing to flop down and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to do this. He said, I want you to pray this prayer in Ephesians 1, and then there's another prayer in Ephesians 3. I don't have time. He said, I want you to pray those prayers right when you get in bed to go to sleep, and I want you to pray them right when you get up, right when you wake up in the morning before you get out of the bed. Okay? Well, I thought, wow, that's cool, because I have these prayers memorized. 
I have different varieties of these prayers because I've prayed them so long. So I thought, well, that's cool. And I'm thinking in my mind, well, I'll do that for a week or two, you know, and who knows, you know, la, 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 right? Because who can do that every, all the time? And so I started doing it. It's kind of hilarious because I'll get in bed and start praying, oh, Father, I just pray for the spirit of wisdom. <laughs> now, in Revelation, <laughs> and kind of in and out, you know, wind up in and out many times praying these prayers because I'm going to sleep so fast. Well, here, this is what happened. He, this, he told me this back towards the end of uh, October. I had this incredible grace to do this. I'm not suggesting you do this. Okay, the only reason I'm doing it, he told me to do it. You could make this into some kind of religious ritual. I am not suggesting that. I'm just telling you, telling you, okay? But this is what happened. Something happened to me. Some, God started shifting something in me. And I can't explain it, okay, exactly what. But somehow I knew it was tied to these prayers, okay? I felt like something had been on me for years, okay, that I couldn't do anything about. I felt like God had put it on me. And I felt like in praying these prayers, I'm still praying them, by the way. I, I, do, I do variety on them. I, I put my language to them just to, you know, talk to God in a real way. But I feel like God has released me from something, okay, that God, it was time. That's why he wanted me to pray him because in the praying, is God released, he took, it felt like there was this harness on me, and God took it off of me. And I feel like, the, that's why I feel like the Lord said to me, there's going to be another move of the Spirit. And I believe God wants people to come in to everything, to our inheritance. That we're a people, and see, that was the thing that I really noticed was the mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I, I'm going to tell you something. We have to be a church that unashamedly goes after the power of God. I'm saying that. That's what Paul prayed that. We have to be unashamed to go after the power of God. It may be people be immature about it and do make mistakes about it, but that cannot stop us. There's enough mature people in this room. I'm not worried about it. You know, we got enough young, older men and older women in this room. If the young, younger people in the Lord start getting off, they can go and love them through it. So I'm not concerned that we're going to do something wacky. I'm just here. I'm more concerned that we're not going after the power of God and that we're not committed to it. And we have this stupid religious notion that somehow we have to figure out we either go after God's presence, His face, or His power. And we have got to stop that thought in the right this minute. You have to stop that thought because nowhere in the Bible does it tell us you have to choose between His hand. Or his face. It doesn't tell us that. If he, if he told us that, then we would say, we get to choose. But he didn't tell us that. In Paul's prayers, like prayer in Philippians, I want to know the power of God. That's what he said. I'm not happy where I'm at. I want God to stir in your heart. That's what the spirit of wisdom and revelation will stir in your heart. It will stir you. It'll cause you to realize. It'll cause you to see something that everybody else is not seeing. 
It'll cause you to know something that people are not knowing. Why do we have a church full of people who see the same thing and know the same thing as the world does? We're meant to see something different and know something different. We're meant to see the Father. We need to see what's on His heart. We've got to get to the place where we feel this whole thing about loving people, that we love people and we care about the state they're in and we're moved to do something about it, whether it be practical or, or supernatural. That's where, what God wants to do. This is not, I want to say this, this is not about us having an experience with the Lord and a jolly time with the Lord. I want an experience with the Lord. I want a jolly time with the Lord. But if that's all I'm doing, then I've made it about me. Instead of what he, Paul said, because it would cause us to praise and glorify Him. Are y'all following this? And this is where I, this is what I feel strong in me. I can't, I'm not making it up, y'all. I'm not just saying this because this is some nice sermon. Forget the sermon stuff. Let's just get real with God on this. Let's get real with what's going on around us. Let's get real with our children and grandchildren and what they're facing. Let's get real with babies being murdered and politicians exalting abortion and saying it's health care for women. That's a lie from hell. People need to stand up to that. But we need people who are full of God to stand up to that and full of God's power. And that's what we're, we're supposed to be, those people, y'all. Now, that's the truth. And so I told Becky this. I've decided how I want my, my ministry to go from now on. I'm, I just said, listen, this is my goal. It's Luke 4, 18 and 19. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. That's what I want on me. And he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to open blind eyes, open prison doors, set captives free, you know, do uh, acceptable year of the Lord. That's how I'm thinking, Lord, I want to end my I want to end my life doing that. I want to ride off into the sunset doing well, he's gone now. The last thing he did was literally heal a blind man. And then he just went on to heaven with God. That should be our goal. That was Jesus' goal. It was Jesus' mission, and he wants to impart that to us. And you don't have to be a preacher to do any of that. All you've got to be is a person who believes everything that Paul said in, in Ephesians 1. And when you start believing that, it'll grip your, it'll grip your life. Amen to that. Yeah. All righty. If I was acting too rambunctious, Becky's going to close the meeting because she's the memory Woodworth Edder girl. <laughs> Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just want to reach out and receive what you've uh, given to us through the word today. Lord, we pray that it would be implanted in our hearts. Lord, we ask you to give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart of understanding. Lord, that this would not just be another message where we just walk out. Lord, we're asking for that impartation. Lord, for that spirit of wisdom and revelation to penetrate, Lord. Penetrate our hearts. Penetrate our minds, God. Lord, we believe you are taking us 
to another place in your spirit, Lord. And we're just saying, yes, we want to go. Lord, we don't want to stay back somewhere in the past. But it's really time to move. It's time for a move. So, Lord, we just say, yes, here we are. Send me. Lord, we want that to be our commission too, Lord. We want that to be this body's commission. Lord, we're asking you right now for the angelic help to come along on these commissions. Lord, to heal the sick, to open blind eyes. Lord, to preach the gospel to the poor. Lord God, we're asking you to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. We're asking you for this, Lord, for the angelic help to come on these commissions for this body of Christ that we will no longer be the same from this day forward. God, we're not, Lord, here to play church. We're here, Lord, to be your body that operates in your kingdom fully. Lord, that you're giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts of understanding, anointing, fire to do what you did, Lord God. That we have already been anointed. It's here and now, Lord. We're asking for that. Lord, we lift these hands and say, anoint. Let fire come on these hands. Lord, come on these commissions for your people to do what you called us to do. Lord, Lord, everything the Father has, everything Jesus has that's already done, everything the Holy Spirit is working in us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. And we just want to pray for the, for the ministry team to come forward now. Yeah, let them come. We just, mm, thank you, Lord. Yeah, I feel power coming on these people, coming up. There's power on this. Woo, yeah, wow. Yeah. Mm. Some carrying some fire up here. I just want to tell you this. In the book of Acts, it shifted from the apostles doing everything to the 70. The 70 are actually the ones who got sent out to plant churches. It's, this is what God's doing in this hour. It is shifting from what's happening up here to you, to you, to you, to you. It is time for the church to wake up and to know that you, God has put it on you. So are you ready? Woo! We're ready. I feel a lot of power up here. I don't know what happened when they walked up, but hey, come on up, get it. It's really good. Yeah, just let them let them lay hands on you. The Lord wants to release this. Woo! Yes, thank you, Lord. Mm. Boldness. I feel boldness coming on the church. Boldness. Yeah, boldness. Woo! Thank you. Oh yeah, I'm feeling more power. Oh, yeah. I feel some power getting released up here. Woo! Yes. You know, when we lay hands, we're fanning on the flame. What God wants to do through the release of this word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this boldness. And I'm still anyone. We had a word of knowledge. Woo! There are a lot of words of knowledge this morning, but healing of bones. Healing of bones healing of dry bones. If you felt dry, we're just saying, let the Lord come and wake up those dry bones, heal those dry bones. 
We saw fireballs coming this morning, really releasing into spirit men and women. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. We were seeing restoration in that prayer room, things that need to be restored, that are broken. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing. I, again, am feeling the thing about the suffering. Those suffering among us, laying hands on them. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. I still feel waves of the Holy Spirit just coming up here. When he's moving, we just need to respond. Thank you, God. Woo! Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm also feeling if you need that spirit of adoption, you don't ever really feel like you've had that real encounter with the Father. But the Lord really wants to touch you. Thank you, Lord. Just release you to go in Jesus' name. Be blessed. Thank you. 